All right, Heather. I didn't forget. A, B, C, D, or E? Oh, let's go with C. Um, This is all a tangentially movie-related. Um, But Coolio died today. Yeah, I heard. I did see that. I didn't realize he was almost 60. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, too. You just forget how much time has passed. (laughs) I mean, it's just, yeah. And then it was just uh, like, from what I understand, he was at a friend's house, right? And he just went to the bathroom or something, went to another room and never came back. And then they went in there and just found him there. Just cardiac arrest, from what I understand. Okay. Yeah, I didn't hear how. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a, at least that's what's circling the internet. I don't know if that's, you know, I'm I'm not going to act like that that is the official story, but that's what's that's what I read on social media and whatnot. So, you know. Yeah, I, but either way, I hadn't had a chance to oh, look up ahead. any of it outside of I saw that he had died. So, yeah. I have to listen to a Gangsta's Paradise or something on the way to work tomorrow. Maybe that'll be a good way to start the day. Just right. Or Fantastic Voyage, you know. Mm-hmm. Or uh, the Keenan and Kel theme song. Oh yeah, yeah I forgot true. he did that. Mm-hmm. He did that. He did. Are you are you sad enough to watch Dangerous Minds? <laughs> Man, it's been so many years since I've seen that. Um I just wonder if if I watched it now would I just hate it? Like I watched it probably about 4 years ago. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just but for, it wasn't even like, man, Michelle Pfeiffer gave a spirited performance. No. <laughs> you weren't like, man, She, I really believed her as this white woman helping all these ethnic people. No. Okay. I mean, uh, just watch the, the Gangster's Paradise uh Music video. It's better than the movie. (laughs) You know, you get to see her angrily flip around a chair and sit in it backwards. (laughs) Nice. Staring Coolio in the face. Yeah. Did the Dangerous Minds trailer have the Gangsta's Paradise song on it? I think it did. Did it? Did it? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I want to say it did. Maybe I'll do that then. Just watch the trailer. Nah, just watch the music video. It's fine. <laughs> Don't even watch the trailer. That's just, you know, let's let's keep it as positive as we can. Just watch the music okay. video. Got it. I feel like I feel like Dangerous Minds and like Save the Last Dance are in the same category of everybody thought they were going to be amazing when they came out and then they just don't they don't add up now. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Like, there's there was fandom forum when they came out, especially Save the Last Dance. Yeah, I was one of them. I'll admit it. Yeah, everybody. I mean, those are movies that th- that's the reason why they're still remembered because at that time, especially with us growing up, we loved all those movies. It's just that, you know, some of them do not age well. Yeah, they don't age well. <laughs> no, not at and all. And that's just the reality of it. But uh, but at the time, man, you know, you you everybody was watching Dangerous Minds and, you know, the song blew up and everybody loved the song. And it just sort of, and so you can't help but think of that movie's association with the song. And the same thing with Save the Last Dance and like... um. I, I that made me a fan of Julia Stiles. You know, I really thought, oh man, Julia Stiles is going to be like, I really thought she was going to catapult and be like one of the next breakout stars. And then she kind of started having movies and then she, it just, I don't know. She just stopped or I don't know if maybe, maybe life happened. I don't know. I, I don't really know I her think, story. I think I can kind of explain Julia Stiles career. Um, and it, it really kind of circles around Save the Last Dance. So, like, when you're younger huh. and you see Save the Last Dance, you're like, oh, man, that's fantastic. And then you watch it as an adult and you're like, God, what the fuck was wrong with me? I think people just started seeing the movie as an adult. and People stopped giving a fuck about Julia Stiles. I'm not trying to say her career, like, she shouldn't have a career or anything. I just think people stopped caring. Hmm. Maybe. Which is Maybe sad. Does she... Yeah, back in the day, she was one of my favorites, especially after 10 Things I Hate About You. Like, I was a big fan, you know. But, yeah, I think you're right. And maybe the types of movies she was doing weren't relevant enough to, like, make her somebody on people's radar anymore after Save the Last Dance. I think maybe there was one movie after that. And then everything else was just kind of, like, just there, you know. She did that, what, Mona Lisa Smile movie? Yeah, um, she did. And yeah. that didn't do too great. And then she did. A and even of and even like and even when that she came out, movie. everybody was talking about Julia Roberts. You know, she sort of got overshadowed in that because of oh, Julia yeah. Roberts. Then um, I know she did that Othello remake, right? Wasn't it called? Oh, oh. and it was. Yeah, that was, I think, yeah. before. Save it just got released before? super late. Save the yeah. Last Dance. Well, maybe I saw it afterwards because then I started kind of following her, and maybe that's why. I, I honestly, think I, it came, I think it maybe came out. I saw it afterwards. It, I think it came out after that though, because um, it, I think it was like two years late being released because of the Columbine stuff. Um, but mm. yeah, like it. I think it came out after Save the Last Dance. Because I, I think I remember the reason I heard about that movie is because she was in it. And I was like, oh, if she's in it. I want to go see it. So I do think it came out after, but probably like a year after or maybe later that same year. I don't know. But yeah, that, that might be why. Hmm. And I don't know. I just feel like she sort of got typecasted, I guess, because she was always sort of this woman and sort of this what, how do you say a non-conventional relationship with some guy like this sort of underdog relationship where it starts 
not what well, they would call today then, probably like your white girl of the week. <laughs> she was always just kind of like that role in things. Well, yeah, I think you're right. No, but I I, I kind of get what Justin's saying because I mean, even nowadays, interracial relationships aren't always you know looked upon with the best of light. And so she did a couple of movies where she was in interracial relationships. She did uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, where she's with the, you know, the grungy stoner kid, even if that wasn't really who he was type of scenario. I kind of get what you're saying, Justin. She's in kind of alternative relationships, if you will, especially for the yeah. like late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. And I guess yep. it got to a point to where she was never popular enough to be like that big hit romance lead. You know what I mean? Cause that was what is Meg Ryan was Meg Ryan still a thing at that time. No, she couldn't pass Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Kirsten Dunst. Hormonal. But you had a ton of them at that time, right? Like, cause you had the vets like Julia Roberts and all of them. Right. And then you had like, and even before that time, maybe Meg Ryan was just coming off. Maybe she was just Meg, cooling down. Meg Ryan would still be one of the vets at that point. Yeah. But you but know. she was still in some movies at that time. And then what's the one the one in twenty seven dresses? That's um, way too early yeah. for her. Catherine Heigl. Catherine Heigl, I think that's too Sandra that's too Sandra early. Bullock was still big. That's a fair one. Sandra Bullock. That, that, okay, now maybe that that that's where I need to be. Yeah, Sandra Bullock, and you had like the all of them Reese on screen, right? Yeah, yeah, Reese, Reese Witherspoon. Witherspoon. So, see, she was never big enough to be elite and compete with those movies. So she was sort of stuck in like this second tier, like odd couple relationship. Yeah. White girl I think you're place? right, Justin. Like, yeah, like I think you're right, Justin, because she was maybe a little bit too typecast. Because, yeah, I mean, you you wouldn't be able to see her as like, oh, she's this like quirky, silly rom com person. She had more of like the she she did the more serious type of stuff, even in the funny movies she was in. Right? She had a little bit more of that what Sterling called like that alternative type of thing about her, and. I think that because she was seen as that more than just like a rom-com star, she was seen as that, that character, you know, she was, I think she was a little bit too typecast for people to be like, yeah, I want to see her in a bunch of rom-coms. And the one rom-com she did with Freddie Prince Jr. bombed, which sucks, <laughs> but you know, it, it was just like, it was so in the middle of all these other good rom-coms, I think back in like the early two thousands that, you know, it just wasn't, yeah, she, she didn't stand out in the rom-com um, genre, really, unfortunately. And maybe I that's think she's all a good people actress. saw her as, and so they didn't yeah. take any more chances with her. Like, and like you said, see, maybe that bombing that you're talking about with Freddie Prince Jr., maybe that meant a lot more at that time because that was such a saturated market back then. It's weird to think that there was a time where just rom-coms were just the thing. Like, they were just so many coming out, you know? What movie did she do with Freddie Prince Jr.? Um, It's this movie called Down to You, I think, where, um, yeah, I can't remember um, what it was really about, except, like, she met him and they had, like, this off and on 
you know, romance type of thing. And then they actually fall in love. I, it's a, it's a very basic story that I don't even remember the plot points of, (laughs) but it was back in the early 2000s. She also did that one with Jason Lee where Jason Lee was engaged to Selma Blair and she was a guy thing, I think is what it's called. Yeah. And she was Selma Blair's cousin or something, but yeah. It was pretty much a guy's version of, oh, the the, the sweetest thing. It was that type mm. of movie. Okay. Um, but yeah, that I remember that. I just, I do not remember that Freddie Prince Jr. movie. I don't either. I'm looking it up right now. Um, but I it had just to be early you know, 2000s. It, and I just figured, you know, it bombed. So maybe that's why I didn't hear about it. I just got to. Uh, took your word for it, but I don't really remember that movie either. But either way, I just think she couldn't get over the hump. You know, she just, that was such a saturated market back then. And if you didn't have a standout movie, a standout performance or something like that, and maybe it's kind of what you said, Sterling, maybe we grew out of that and she, her roles didn't grow with us. I guess it. she never like evolved or went to this different place or was like, oh, I'm going to go over here and start doing my own thing over here. It just felt like I don't and I don't know if that was just choices that she made and she thought I'm going to stay. Um, I'm comfortable with the typecast, so I'm just going to stay here. And that sort of was her undoing or maybe yeah. she didn't, you know, maybe like she tried a couple of things and they didn't work out. And she was like, uh Oh, and filmmakers were like, uh Oh, so maybe we can't, maybe she's not what these people are. Maybe she's not the next Sandra Bullock. Maybe she's not that. I don't know. And that's why her story is a weird one to me because I really like her. I think she is good. I I just wonder if she never found that niche after stuff like save the last dance. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. Is like, what type of role do you give her? Is really what it came down to. Because, um, oh, down to you actually came out before Save the Last Dance. Everybody, <laughs> um, okay. But and then she did like The Prince and Me, and she just did she did a bunch of the rom com type movies, but they weren't good ones. And so I think mm. maybe they just abandoned her being like leads in rom coms because they weren't good ones. I don't know, but. Um, yeah, it, it's almost like what, like, cause she, to me, she, she has a feel of, she wants to do more serious roles because even in her later career, you see, she's doing a little bit more of the serious stuff. Um, mm-hmm. so it, it's almost like for her age, they wanted her to maybe do a certain type of thing and maybe she was trying to do something different. Right. Um, she seems to me somebody that would be much more into doing like theater stuff and plays and things like that. Like almost like a Shakespearean actor type of person. You know, I just get that vibe from her just with the type of performances you get from her really. Um, But I don't know. I think it's just like that she didn't fit into any specific mold of a character except for the one, (laughs) the, the alternative relationship person is the only category that she fit in. And other than that, they didn't know where to really fit her in. 
even though she was at the time like a rising star in a sense. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe maybe that was the problem. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know how we ended up on a deep dive analyzing Julia Stiles career <laughs> based on right. the news that I said. Um, you know how this goes. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, sucks that Coolio died. That's a, yeah, such a like, we fucking totally hard transition. Such a detour. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's hard. We- oh, man. Yeah, that's rough. Like, yeah, I don't know. Let's let's just move the fuck on. I mean, Jesus. All right. So uh, here's our theme song. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we will be talking about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the embattled movie. Don't worry, darling. We will talk, uh, we will go spoiler free, recommendations and scores. And then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description on both the podcast and YouTube to allow you to jump around if you so require. And with all that, Justin, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about Don't Worry Darling? Well, there's plenty to worry about. No, I'm just... um... Oh, had to do it. Um, I couldn't have said it any better myself, Justin. <laughs> wow. Where to begin? Um, well, man, this movie. Like, it started so strong to me. I really thought that it it intrigued me. It, it grabbed me at first. And, and Florence Pugh is you know, acting her tail off and trying to keep this thing as interesting as she can. And there, and there's this storyline with this mystery and we're trying to figure it out and we don't understand what's going on. And the first, I would say maybe like 30 to 45 minutes of the movie, they had me, I was there. I wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to know what we, where we were going with this movie. And then it just starts making these weird storyline choices where, okay, we see some weird things and we're wondering what's going on. And then we see some more weird things and we're wondering what's going on, but we're not answering any questions. And then we see some more weirdness happens, but we're not answering any questions. And it continues to play this same beat. It felt like this movie couldn't get out of the first act. Like that's what it felt like to me. Like it couldn't get out of the first act of, Oh, there's this, what are we, what's going on? Where are we? What are we doing? And then the second and third act felt almost compressed together to where it just, it answers a few questions, but those questions just lead to more questions. And then the movie just ends. 
And it's like, oh, is that what, <laughs> is that all we're going to get? And I was left with so many questions and they weren't the right ones. And I just think it felt like such a misfire. I understood what director Olivia Wilde was going for. And this is what her second movie, um, because her first one was book smart, right? Which we all loved. You know, I thought book smart was a great movie. This felt, I could feel some of the ambition from a technical standpoint. It looks good. Like I thought that, um, tonally what it was trying to do most of the time when it was doing the phantasmagoria and the dream sequences and stuff like that, you know, all of that stuff I thought was okay. Um, from a, uh, you know, from, from a cinematography standpoint, I thought all of that was good. I was digging the look of the movie, you know, in this 1950s setting, but all this, um, but, but then all this weird stuff going on. I thought that all of that was fine. Um, so Olivia Wilde definitely knows what she's doing from a technical standpoint. I just think where this movie suffers is the story. It just, it built up a bunch of things and it just felt like it didn't quite know how it was going to pay all those things off. Or if it thought it paid those things off, I just didn't really feel that it did. So ultimately it just winds up being like a really disappointing effort. And I know Sterling, you were kind of letting Heather and I know about a lot of the controversies and a lot of the um, drama that was happening behind the scenes, um, which I'm sure you'll elaborate on. So I don't want to take that from you, but Man, a lot of that that you were telling us sounded infinitely more interesting than what I saw on screen. So I don't know if... Uh, um, that if, would have been your movie. <laughs> yeah, that could have been the movie. Um, so I don't know if that re- that affected the execution here. Um, and maybe it, some of it did, but ultimately this just felt like where it really suffered was a story. I just don't know if we had a complete story and I'll definitely get more into some of the questions I had in spoilers that I just don't feel like were answered at all. And then things started happening and characters were just doing things. And some of it felt so out of nowhere with no development or no way for me to understand what characters were doing. And unfortunately this is just one of those movies and Man, it, it it's definitely a disappointment because coming off of Booksmart, I'm like, oh yeah, Olivia Wilde, I'm down. Any project that she does, I'm down. Now, <laughs> now, not so much. Now I, I'm going to have to do the one foot in, one foot out thing cautiously going into her next movie because this really just felt like a misfire. Uh, last thing I'll say about it is, is that... um. It wasn't a misfire because of Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh was great at this. I mean, or as good as she could be with the material given. I think that she keeps the movie afloat with her acting performance. Uh, Her and Chris Pine. I liked him in this too. Um, Chris Pine was was very cool to me uh, as Frank. This charismatic, kind of very charming kind of character, but... There's this other dark side to him and this other part to him. 
I really liked him as that role. So Chris Pine, maybe do more roles like this just in better movies because I think he kind of had something. I kind of like maniacal, charming, but maniacal Chris Pine. I kind of liked him in this. So those were probably the two standout actors in this. And, And nobody was really bad. And Olivia Wilde played her part well as well. It's just that I don't know if the story really served any of the um any of these characters um when you compare that to the acting that all of them were doing which i thought for the most part was good so yeah man this is it's not even really a mixed bag it's just like it it just feels like one of those movies that came out this year that it'll ultimately be forgettable it's one that i just don't think will linger on anybody's mind and unfortunately this is going to be ruled as a disappointment, especially because Olivia Wilde's coming off of Booksmart, which was just such an excellent movie. And this feels like definitely a step down from that. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I echo a lot of that sentiment. Um, I mean, and I do, I, I commend Olivia Wilde for branching out and not typecasting her own directing and type of directing like this is a very different movie than Booksmart it had a very different look and feel to it and I'll commend her for that um it is I think the biggest word I have for this movie is anticlimactic um it it starts off strong like Jason said it starts off really strong um well not really strong it starts off strong solid it's a solid start to the movie it, it engages you. It drew me in at least to, to be like, okay, what's happening? What's going on? And it was the performances that did that for me. Um, you know, there, it starts off with a little bit of things that, you know, Florence Pugh's character is kind of trying to figure out, um, you know, just little tiny subtle things. And, um, and it kind of goes from there. Um, but yeah, it just, the, it kind of, it's its own downfall. The story itself is its own downfall. Um, I do, I definitely want, because this has been like a huge thing that people keep talking about with Harry Styles in this movie. He was honestly not bad at all. I, I have no issues with his performance in this movie. I'm not saying he's great. I'm saying like compared to everybody he was up against, he was very serviceable in the role. Um, I don't think that he is... N- in any means, the worst thing about this movie at all. Um, I actually, there were parts that I was like, okay, it's solid. You know, he did a good job. He did, he did the role, the amount that you would expect him to do for the role, you know, Um, especially being like absolutely the least um, experienced of the actors in this movie. He was fine. I have no issues with it. And, it kind of bums me out that everybody's just like, oh, he was terrible, blah, blah, blah. He wasn't. I don't think he was terrible at all. So, um, but definitely, I mean, when you're up against Florence Pugh and Chris Pine, like, that's a, that's a tall order. You know what I mean? But they kind of, they, they did bring it to life more than it would be with anybody else in the roles, probably. Like, they, Chris Pine, Florence Pugh, really, they brought something um 
more interesting to this movie than the movie itself was. They were better than the movie. <laughs> Their performances were better than the movie itself was. Um, there's even a scene between the two of them at a dinner table at one point, and it's probably one of the best scenes of the movie, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's it's very middle of the road for me because I do think visually it's very beautiful, uh, great cinematography. I do like how they filmed those um, kind of like, I guess, dream sequences or whatever sequences those were. I don't necessarily think that I get the point of those fully in this movie, but they looked cool. I'll give it that. Um, I think it was ambitious. I think. I just think that it it bit off more than it could chew in a sense like it. It, it basically just. It kind of went like this, like a graph, and then it went just down. <laughs> like it just, it did not go anywhere, really. Um, and by the time you kind of figure out what's happening and what's going on, you kind of don't care at that point. You're kind of like, I, okay, I'm, I'm kind of over it at this point. Like it's, you're not necessarily surprised by what goes on. Um, if you are, you're just kind of like, oh, okay, that's what's going on. But it's not like this big shock, big twist, big anything. It's just a resolution. <laughs> it's just the resolution to the movie. And you can take it or leave it. And you honestly don't really care about how this movie ends, which is really unfortunate. Just because of how they tell the story in a very... um, a very weird way. I don't know. It, it's almost like... They they knew how they wanted to start this movie and they knew the ending point they wanted to get to. But getting to that point was like a hard stop. You know, they just ran out of steam and like they, they spent all of their effort trying to engage you in caring about the movie at the beginning. And then they just said, yeah, they're in now. So whatever. We're done. <laughs> We're not going to try anymore. That's kind of what it felt like. Um it's I've seen worse movies, but I've definitely seen a lot better movies. It's I lean more on the dislike than the like side of it, uh, but it's very middle of the road for me. Like I'm kind of up in the air on that, but disappointing is definitely the word for it. I would say I agree with you on that. Holy gigantic steaming pile of shit, Batman. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. The movie's a goddamn mess. Like, it's a fucking mess. If you ever want to see a movie to define what the fuck a mess is, go watch this fucking movie. I mean, the performances are fine. You know, like Heather said, I, I'm not offended by Harry Styles in this movie. I'm not offended by Olivia Wilde or Nick Kroll. Or any of the random other fucking people in these movies. I'm not offended by them. They're, I mean, they, they do a fine job. A lot of people were freaking out about Harry Styles' American accent towards the end of the movie. And I'm like, that takes up like 35 seconds of screen time. And it happens at the end of the movie. So, you know, if you have, if that becomes your issue, what the fuck were you doing for the first two hours and 15 minutes of this movie? Right. Because that's not it. That is not the issue with this movie. Harry Styles is not the problem with this movie. Florence Pugh is not the problem with this movie. 
If anything, Florence Pugh is the only thing that makes this movie fucking watchable for 99% of the scenes. Chris Pine adds his Chris Pininess to it, which is never a bad thing. He was fantastic. I agree with both of you. Chris Pine and Florence Pugh, about as good of performances as you could ever ask of anybody. Fantastic. They need to be in something else together. Right. They, something better than this. It is some of the, the, if you also ever want to see the definition of acting way better than your role, watch both of them. Correct. 100%. Because I guarantee you, the script was nowhere near as good as their performances were. Because if you watch any of the rest of the movie, you know for a fact the script was nowhere near as good as what they brought. Because Correct. this movie is just an incoherent rambling of a madman. <laughs> it is a f- cocaine-fueled dream. But not in a cool way. Not in like a Nicolas Cage face-off kind of cocaine-fueled way. And the, oh man, you need to go back to rehab for your ninth time kind of way. It's a mess. I mean, narratively speaking, without getting too much into it, I probably figured out the ending to a relative degree, not with complete specificity, specificity, but in an in general way, I more or less figured out the ending within the first 30 minutes. And that makes it, I'm not gonna lie, probably makes it an even rougher movie to watch doing that. Because you're even more fucking bored. Because this is a fucking, like, mystery suspense thriller type of movie. And when you figure out the end so fucking early in the movie, it offers you almost nothing for the rest of the film. And on top of that, without also going into specifics, there's a dance scene in this movie. I timed it. I just had a feeling to. So I'm in the theater and I hit start on my stopwatch on my watch just because I just had an inkling that maybe I need to do this. It was seven and a half hours long. Did you guys know that? (laughs) Just that scene. (laughs) Wow, this is so long. It just, it never stopped. It kept going. (laughs) It really did. It was the weirdest thing. Oh, yeah. 100%. At a certain point, (laughs) I am holding back screams while I'm watching this because I just want to angrily, like, angrily berate the movie to fucking end the scene. Like, we get it. Henry or Harry Styles can dance. Fucking stop. And it doesn't. And it goes uncomfortably long, but not in like that kind of way that would add to the movie where you're like, oh, there's a real point of all this. There was a point to it that actually ties into the movie. It's just a very shitty point. And then on top of that. It wasn't as effective as they wanted it to be at all. Yeah. And it's just uncomfortably long. 
and repetitive too. I literally think they looped the same dance, like, like choreography, like 27 times. Yeah. Right. They just went, Hey, dance for a little bit. And they're like, all right, is that all we're going to need? And they're like, yeah, we'll just loop that nonstop. And he's like, well, I could actually just dance it. And they were like, no, no, God, no. We're just going to loop the same shit over and over again. I will say I, I would be interested to see Shia LaBeouf's version of that, that dance. <laughs> I don't think, I honestly, I think they added that for Harry Styles. You know what? You could be right. Yeah. But if they didn't, if that was in the script, we missed out on gold. <laughs> I want to see angry Shia LaBeouf do that dance now. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, um, I mean. This movie. Just was. The biggest chore in the world to watch. And I know Justin brought up the controversies behind the scenes. You know, I almost don't know if I want to talk about that, Justin, because I don't think it's worth it almost. I think if this was a better movie, sure, we get into it. I don't think it matters. I'm like, this. the, the movie just sucks. <laughs> I mean, the yep. only way I really would care about the behind-the-scenes drama now is if they did something like Into the Heart of Darkness or... Lost Souls, the the doomed journey of Richard uh, Stanley, which was the documentary about making the Island of Dr. Moreau sequel or uh, reboot, you know, and Into the Heart of Darkness is the uh, d- behind the scenes version of, of, of making Apocalypse Dawn. So if they had a behind the scenes documentary about the trials and tribulations it took to make this movie. Maybe I would watch that. Because both of those two documentaries I just made, I know a lot of people love Apocalypse Down. I'm not trying to dog that, but Into the Heart of Darkness is better. It's fascinating as fuck. I mean, the the remake of The Island of Dr. Moreau is one of the worst things I thought I'd ever watched until I watched a movie called Don't Worry, Darling. And But there's a documentary about the making of it, and it's insanely fascinating. Also, I just now realized why are there so many documentaries about movies that Marlon Brando was in? I just also realized that. That's hmm. fair. That's true. Huh. That's true. I wonder if there's any correlation behind terrible movie making documentaries and Marlon Brando. So kind of makes you wonder. Maybe, maybe the ghost of Marlon Brando was haunting this uh, set. So could be. I just I watched this movie and went fuck that sucked. Like that was a terrible time at the movies. And I and I felt like I had above average popcorn. That makes it a little worse. I felt my like my popcorn <laughs> was hitting a little better this movie. And the movie wasn't hidden at the same level as my popcorn was. I'm not going to lie. I, I went through a large tub of popcorn very quickly in this movie. And that's because I was digging that. <laughs> I 
I was, that was the adventure you had. <laughs> far was, more interesting than the movie is your popcorn eating. Tasting those kernels. I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but all I know is I started enjoying the movie even less once my popcorn was done. So I don't know if I can agree with you, Justin. I don't know if the first 30, 45 minutes is really gripping or not. I just know that's when my popcorn was hitting. <laughs> Maybe it is a coincidence. Maybe when my popcorn ran out happened to be the downward turn of this movie. (laughs) Right. It really just sucks also that there was like two hours of movie left when that happened to me. This is a fucking long movie. Does anybody know what the actual runtime is? I think it's like 212 or something. I can look it up. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like nine hours and 57 minutes. (laughs) 203 is what is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. You've got to be shitting me, Justin. Yeah. It's only <laughs> two, two hours. Three. It's yeah, only it's two hours. It's over two hours, dude. Off my normal bullshit. I legitimately thought this movie was no less than two hours and 20. Yeah. Yeah, you feel it. You feel it. How did the Robert Pattinson Batman movie feel shorter than this fucking movie? <laughs> It's got a good hour on it. Yeah. The first act is an hour and a half. (laughs) That could be it too, Jasmine. (laughs) You're not really wrong. This movie goes an hour and a half of first act. You get about 15 minutes of a second act. And then you get the end credits in the third act in a brisk 30 seconds. (laughs) That's a good point, though. I didn't think about that, but yeah. This movie 100%. is so much set up. <laughs> yeah. It is so, so much, much set up. And only about, I don't know, a third of the setup is actually necessary to the end. If that, I might be being generous there. Man, it was like you could you 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 purchase all this food and you think you know you're it's going to be this big family dinner you purchase all this food you make all these dishes you you do all of this stuff you set the table the house is clean and like two people come to that shit like that's what it was like like they Lots just of prep set up work <laughs> so much prep work man and then the payoff was just like Okay, goodbye. That's it. There's the answer. Goodbye. That's exactly what it was like, dude. It was just, I don't know what happened, man. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, this movie prepares itself, like, prepares you for the end pretty much just as well as high school actually prepares you for real life. It's just a bunch <laughs> of shit. And they, and they tell you it matters. Do you remember like in in like in high school, they're like, when you go to college, you know, you're going to have to do this, this and this. And you go to college and they're like, I don't give a fuck if you come to class or not. Just come you got to learn cursive in the real world. No, yeah. you don't. Oh, yeah. They were real big on cursive. They're like, this cursive, is how business yeah. people operate. Man, if you see me writing cursive now, it looks like I'm in third grade writing cursive. Because <laughs> that's the last time you use it. Let's Pretty be real. much. <laughs> yep. Just for a signature, that's literally the only thing you need cursive for. I mean, to me, it's crazy that like I graduated in 2004 
I didn't take a computer typing class until 2003. And God, that would have benefited me so much. But I spent like eight years trying to learn cursive. And I still can't write in that shit. Like I like, and I'm not even really joking here. My cursive handwriting right now looks like if I just grabbed a crown and wrote in cursive. It's the same fucking flow. And they, that was the most important damn thing ever. Oh my God. Also remember like in math class when they were like, you won't always have a calculator everywhere you go. Ha fools. That didn't age well. <laughs> like Man, that didn't age well yeah. at all. All the absurdity. Well, they're just like, you got to <laughs> learn how to spell because you know, you're not going to always have a spell check. The fuck I'm not. Right. True. Dude, it really is. Like it's it's the same type of thing, dude. Like this movie is like the cursive of school. It is. <laughs> Not important and nobody cares. Man, you know the big one of the biggest bullshit things about it is my parents used to give me shit for my cursive looking like shit. Do you know what I've never seen my parents write in? Cursive? Cursive. <laughs> <laughs> They would have given me all that shit. I never fucking seen them do it. And they're like, Sterling, how will you ever learn how to sign your name? Look at my signature now. It's 0% cursive. (laughs) It's not technically any percentage of an actual word and or letters. Same. Yeah. My signature is a series of swoops. That's it. You know what nobody's ever really done going. Wait a second. We can't take this. It doesn't actually say your name. Right. Exactly. That's this movie. All lies. All lies. Yeah. (laughs) Smoke screen. Something. Anyway. Recommendations and scores. Yeah. Yeah. Recommendations and score. Uh, Heather, go. Uh, I'm gonna have a hard time with the score. I don't even know what the score. Um, it is. I don't. Mm, I can't actually say I recommend it. Like, I'm kind of like, if you want to watch it, and you've already set your mind on watching it, then all right. You can watch it. That's cool. I'm not going to say go out of your way to watch this movie. I I just think. I'm trying to think of anybody I could say like, yeah, for sure. This person would like this movie. You know, I I just I can't. There's nobody I can think of where I'm like, this is a movie for you. (laughs) Um, I mean, it, it has this. Artistic feel about it with just cinematography and all of that, but. It's not artistic in the way that it thinks it is. Like, I think it it tried, it wanted to have more meaning behind those artistic moments than it actually had. So I can't even say like people who love these artistic art house movies, watch it. Like it's not even for them really. (laughs) Like it's, if you're just bored and want to kill some time, sure. Watch it. I guess. (laughs) 
<laughs> Do you really think that this is the cure for boredom? Uh, You're going to you know, make somebody okay, sit fair. through four hours of movie to cure their boredom? <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right. I mean, give it what you want. I'm just saying, that's the weirdest recommendation I've heard. Watch this movie if you're bored. They might get up for that dance scene, Sterling. You don't know. They might get <laughs> you know, up for it. Okay, and maybe I didn't word it right, but like, if you if you have nothing else to do, you're looking for something to do, and you don't have another option <laughs> or nothing else in mind, go see it. Sure. You know, is that a better way to say it? <laughs> I've got a I'm counter not ask to you because you're gonna. I've yeah. got a. I'll wait till my time. I'll let you finish, but I do have a counter to you. Okay. Um. In either case, it is. Um. It tries, but it does not succeed in a lot of ways that I think it wanted to with this movie. Um. Uh, acting performance wise, it was successful in my opinion. Uh. Story wise, it was not successful. Um. And it's unfortunate because, yeah, like the level of acting performance that you get from some of these people, just like you guys said, it's awesome. Like, I agree. I think that Florence Pugh and Chris Pine should be in a different movie together with the level of like dynamic that they had in this movie in something else that's better. And I would be like, yeah, Oscars for everybody, please. But um, in this movie, it's it's standout. Just like because it's the only good thing about the film, you know, that's why it stands out. That's why you care about the performances in it, because it's the only thing that's gripping you into what's happening at all. Um, Yeah. So I I don't know. Again, the performances, I had no issues with any performances in this movie. I had issues with the storytelling of this movie. Um, Yeah, I. But it's it's okay. Like I'm, I don't hate it, but I don't like it. It's weird. It's a I'm in a weird place with this movie. I almost want to just give it like a middle, like half and half. But I think it's a little bit lower than that because I just I'm not fully just like it's okay. I'm more like, nah. It was a movie, so it's it's a very hard line. I'm gonna go with um. Mm, Um, we'll go with, uh, 46, um, rugged Harry Styles looks out of a hundred. Justin, what about you? Yeah, it's it's going to really be hard to recommend. I just don't know if there's anything good enough in this to recommend. Like, I try to think about what a person could maybe get out of this. Or is there something unique or interesting about it that you haven't seen before? I can't really say that. I can't really say that. Like, even when this movie gets to the resolution... The concept we have seen done before and seen it done in better movies. So it's hard to recommend it on that. I don't think it's unique enough to to where maybe you you'd get out of something you get something out of it that way. Um aesthetically, while it does look good, I mean it it doesn't 
I, I don't know if it looks good enough to go see. I, it's it's the you know the the cinematography is not spellbounding enough. The look of it is not. It's it's not unique enough in that way either to suggest that somebody need to go see this. And I just feel like there are going to be a couple of better movies out that you'd rather spend your money on. And we're uh, just around the corner from October. It's Halloween time. You know, people are going to want to be in the mood for something scary. People are going to want to see some dark, twisted movies. And we got a line of those coming out. I just feel like this is going to fall by the wayside. And I feel like this is one of those where even the mood of the country is about to change because everybody gets down when Halloween comes around, when October comes around. And this is a movie where it needed to be good enough, I think, and have that word of mouth and that residual um, people talking about it and, and praising it. I think for it to hang around in this sort of season. And unfortunately, I just don't know if it does anything well enough. I just feel like this is going to be forgotten about in a few days when, when like smile comes out and all of these scary movies come out, everybody's going to be checking those out. I just feel like this will just be, this will just fall to the wayside. Um, And, and that's unfortunate because I really think Olivia Wilde started strong. So now she, I think this is going to put her in a situation where she's going to have to pick herself up from this or come back from this or show, hey, that's, you know, that may have been a misstep, but this next movie, you know, this one's going to be good. But unfortunately, this ain't it, man. This just ain't it. So, no, I can't in good conscience recommend this. Even if you're a mystery person, I just, it's not an interesting enough mystery. I just, I just don't think it is. So, with all that being said, we're going to go 42 and a half. Um, Chris Pines watching you have sex and kind of digging it out of 100. Yeah, that was the thing that happened. <laughs> fuck no, I don't recommend this movie. Get the fuck out of here. Um, You know, Heather said if you've got absolutely nothing else to do, you should watch this movie. I don't know. Go learn fucking cursive. It's about as useful. <laughs> Touche. I did not like this movie, and I did hate this movie. I feel like I'm picking on Heather. I'm not. I'm just the, a lot of the things you said just stuck with me, Heather. Um. Nah, fuck this movie. Just fuck it. Negative twenty out of. I don't know. Harry Styles dances a fucking lot out of a hundred. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think that scene's still going. Actually. I think that like they, they go to the end credits and they're like, hey, watch the rest of that scene. I think it's still going. I think they've only shown this movie like twice per theater ever. Because it's just that long. Because it's still going. Um, so we're doing a new segment here. We're doing the actual official Cinema Slayer score. We're aggregating it for you. So yeah, we're going to take all three of our scores. We're going to add them together. We're going to use that calculator that my math teacher said I wouldn't have at me at any given point in time. Uh, 
The official Cinema Slayer score for this movie is a solid 23. I rounded right. it up. Cool. <laughs> okay. It's a 23 out of 100. Just to make sure everybody knows. This is a fucking 23 out of 100 official. It's going to flash up on the screen maybe eventually. Probably this time. I'll have it. You know, you'll see it. You'll hear it, whatever. Uh, spoilers? Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck was the point of that plane crashing? Because, like, how was that actually a thing? Yes, I had that same question. Yeah. It's a fucking simulation. How is that a thing? How does that just happen? How do you accidentally write a program that has a plane crashing just for whatever fucking reason ever? Like, what? What was that? Yep. Yeah. Like in so many things that were like leading towards the mystery make even less sense when you re- they go, hey, it's a program. Like her saran wrapping her head. How is that a thing if it's a program? Yeah. How is the wall randomly crushing her against the glass a thing? You know, like there's so many things in here that make no sense whenever they go, hey. This is virtual reality. I'm like 90% of your mystery is ruined by that. Uh, I mean, so many things in this movie just, they don't line up like towards the end of the movie. Olivia Wilde's character is like, when you kill a man in here, they die in real life. What happens if you kill a woman in there? Do they not die? Yeah. Like the neighbor. Yeah. And if that's the case, why do you have the only customer you have, which is men, because this is a weird take on that. Why do you have them be the only ones that can die? That's so weird. You're letting them kill your customer base. I don't get it. Why would you write that into the programming? Why don't you just write it that nobody can die? <laughs> Why not? Why do you write that into your code? Like so many things in this make no sense because they're like, it's a simulation. 90% of your movies ruin that because in a simulation, those things can only exist if somebody writes that code for it. So why do you write all that code? That's ultimately useless. You know, like the plane the you know them remembering shit you can get rid of all that you know like her having visions of her friend and like slamming her head into the mirror and all this stuff like and having creepy visions that's only possible if you write the code for that to happen yeah and if it's and if it's some sort of glitch or some sort of interference with the programming, you need to be able to explain that in some sort of way. Why was Florence Pugh's character and Margaret, that that other woman, why were they the only ones seeing weird things or having these visions or something like that? What was the correlation there? There just was no explanation. So what did what did any of that mean like and how come it wasn't explained that oh this is a glitch or something about 
her will was somehow breaking through the program. Something. Just give me something, man. But they didn't give us any of those explanations at all. They also weirdly apparently made it a part of the code that if any of the people that are trapped in there and not there on their own free will see blood, it breaks the program's hold on their brains, apparently. That's more or less what happened to Florence Pugh's character when she saw her friend die covered in blood. That snapped her out of it. Then at the end of the movie, when Florence Pugh is covered in blood, it snaps all the other women out of it. That's a weird thing. Yeah, just immediately. <laughs> like, why don't you, I don't know, not write blood into your fucking program. Yeah. Like, there's so many ways around all this shit. And, and, and it's there because they need a way to end the movie. They need these convenience factors. They need ways to add to the mystery. It's just... None of it lines up. Your 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 climax, yeah. your ending, your revelation of the mystery doesn't line up with 90% of the clues you put in this movie. And at the same time, when I said earlier, I figured out the end of this movie, I didn't necessarily figure out it was a simulation. But I did figure out it was I did figure it was in modern times. Because a few times earlier in the movie, and where it truly clicked for me is there's a scene. Where Christopher Pine is standing there and he's talking to everybody. He's giving this big, opus, charismatic cult leader speech. And he says something to the effect of, you know, other people might not agree with our lifestyle here and our choices. But, you know, we made them and this is for us. And it has the appearance of being in the 1990s or I mean 1950s. I'm sorry. Okay, what about the way they were living was weird for the 1950s? Nothing. And that's exactly right. how they... That was peak living in the 1950s. And so, to me, my brain just starts thinking, like, well, then what could he mean by that? Because they put a lot of emphasis on that line. You know, they put a lot of emphasis. And like I said, I think he says it a couple of times over the broadcast they had done. But that's when it really hit me was that scene. And in my head, I go... Well, contextually speaking, the only way that this lifestyle where the woman's completely subservient to the man and all this other stuff would be in generally considered weird or wrong is now. So the only way that that line makes any fucking sense in any regard is if it's taking place now. So... Yeah, I had that revelation then. And, uh, yeah, I just, you know, it really sucked being right at that. Because, like I said, it makes the movie so boring. And at least at the, at the end, if I was wrong, I'd have been like, oh, shit, okay. Like, that, that'd be an actual surprise. God forbid this thriller surprise me in any way, shape, or form. Well, that'd be fucking nuts. It just really takes away from the whole movie. And like I said, I didn't predict it was a simulation. I'll be fair to that. But it honestly would have made more sense to me if they were just kind of brainwashed and in like a little little bubble area. Because then that plane sequence might have actually made a little sense. Yeah. The whole 
losing grip on reality due to brainwashing and all those other things would have made a little bit of sense. Because that's not programming at that point. Because, see, that's my problem with it being a simulation. Is for it to exist in a digital world, you have to write it into the digital world. If it's just brainwashing, you can argue, yeah, there's tricks of the mind, all kinds of things. That's a legit argument if it's brainwashing. It doesn't work in a simulation, though. And so yeah. I, I kind of at least wish they had gone down that route. Movie would have made infinitely more sense than it did if they had done that. You know? Well, an interesting thing is like, and I, I was just looking it up because that was a question I had too. Um, they're kind of, the article I read was basically saying that it was a trick of the mind, that basically that plane crash wasn't real, that it was something that Alice just saw. Um, and they're basically chalking it up to like, you know, because she's having flashbacks and memories of her life before. But um, the, I guess the neighbor, she had just seen the neighbor's kid or the neighbor or something just had like a toy plane that looked exactly like it. And she saw that and then the, the plane crash was made up in her mind. Um, but they were saying that the significance of or the importance of the scene with the plane was just her way to be able to see the headquarters and start questioning that because that's why she went out there because she saw the plane crash. It doesn't make it a better explanation, but that's just the article that I read about what they said with it. They're factually wrong though. The audience sees the plane from the kid. Yeah. I don't think she does unless Mm. Alice, unless the, the friend that kills herself was holding the plane. Maybe. Yeah, and I don't remember. I, I, but I know there's a flashback to when the friend's walking in the desert and the kid has the plane, and there is a flashback where the friend is holding it. You know? But like that's the thing, is they're they're mixing then altered mental states with computer programming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't line up to me. Maybe they right. could have made it line up. But that's the problem is they didn't. It fucking sucked. Like they didn't make it line up. You know, like so many things in here. They play like it's tricks of the mind and not computer like shit. You know, those and they didn't. And if, you know, they were trying to do both of them combined. Okay. They didn't do a good enough job combining the two. Then they weirdly are two separate things happening coincidentally at the same time. She's in a simulation and having tricks of the mind. Okay, I guess. It doesn't help your movie. And, and you know, and maybe that's fair, Heather. I, you know, and I'm glad you looked it up. And at the same time, I'm going to forget it in about an hour when we're done recording this because I'm never going to want to fucking think about this movie ever again. So it's just that's still a rough explanation. I really feel like it's reaching. I really feel like that's the writers of this movie going. That's what we meant for it to be. And, you know, nobody actually showed it in the movie. But, you know, when we wrote that scene, that's what we were thinking. (laughs) Jesus. 
And then, I agree. And then they get to that dance scene. Oh my God. And so the whole point of it is to show that in the end, you know, Chris Pine's character has control ultimately. Like he can control things. I think that they that was meant to show that he was forcing Harry Styles' character to dance longer and to do more. That he was in control of that. At that one point when he's like, oh, let's make him do more spins. And he's like, yeah, just keep spinning. That's what they were meant to show with that. And I get it. They kind of show it a little bit. They hint towards that being a thing. But the scene goes so long, you check the fuck out of it. You don't give any fucks about that scene when it's over. When it's over, you're filled with a sense of relief that you don't have to fucking keep watching it. And I feel like that was so many points in this movie. Like that scene, even though it's so incredibly well acted, and it's right around the time of the dance scene where like Florence Pugh's character is uh, sitting there and they're at that party and he's about to get that honor. And she's like, no, please, let's go home. Let's just go home. That's that part of the scene drags out too. It just keeps going and going. Yeah. And she's acting very well in it. But then it happens again yeah. and again and again. And you're just like fucking end. And I feel bad that I was thinking that because I didn't know that by that scene ending, it meant the dance scene began. <laughs> <laughs> That was the longest stretch of a movie I think I've ever watched in my goddamn life. It was just so long. I mean, and it's just, there's so many weird things throughout this movie that I, I, I get it, but they don't line up. Like, okay, maybe one of you guys can answer this for me. At the end of the movie, Jimmy Chan's character stabs Chris Pine. She's like, it's mine now. Or something like that. I can't remember her exact line. Did that mean she knew what it was? And she was taking it over? Or what? That's what I got from it. Yeah. Yeah, like... Yeah, it seemed to me that she knew what it was. And now this was her opportunity to take it over. But still, you just have so many questions like... What exactly is this? Is this just, you know, is this just, is the purpose of this just to make money, just to have these users so you can make money off this program? It was Chris Pine, you know, we got to see what Florence Pugh's man, what he was, you know, we, we got to see that in the real world, he was this loser. And that's why he wanted this 1950 simulation where he was the breadwinner and everything like that. Well, what was Chris Pine in the real world? You know, what exactly was he like? I think he was a podcaster. Like one of these alpha male podcasters. Or something like that. Maybe he was a scientist that had a podcast or whatever. Because that radio show that you hear him do throughout the, the movie is what Harry Styles was listening to. Yeah. Kind of made him go down that path. So I think it's That's like that true. toxic masculinity alpha male podcast type of thing. 
is what he did. And I guess he had a partner or whatever who helped him develop this alternate reality shit. And maybe that's what it was. Maybe he was like a speaker of that. Like maybe some sort of, like you said, a podcaster, motivational speaker, something, you know, but, but we don't know. We, we, we just don't really get those answers. So when she does that, I was just like, okay, there wasn't enough development with her for me to care about her doing that. You know, I didn't know what, I didn't know who she was or was she opportunistic? Was she captured too? Was she, I don't know. Because the way she defends it earlier in the movie makes you feel like she's in control or under the control of the simulation. But then that happens and you're like, is she? I don't know. Like you said, Justin, like they're incredibly ambiguous with that. Like, and I get that it's supposed to be like, supposed to be like an empowering thing of like, oh, now they're taking control of the simulation. But I don't know, swapping one toxicity for another is not necessarily the best thing in the world, you know? And I get that, that most of the, the people in the simulations, at least the women, don't know they're in a simulation. A handful of them do, you know, and they say why they're okay with it. Whatever, that's fine. But, I mean, it's just, like, is this thing really cheap to do? Like, because right. Harry Styles would just go for, like, eight hours and, you know... Could afford an apartment and medical equipment to keep her alive with an IV and eye drops and all this other shit. And, you know, he could afford all that and a daily subscription to keep her under there. Like, geez, that's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Like, how much is this per day or per, per month or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly. Yeah. You know, and then on top of that, like, how do you have something like that? And it not be watched by the feds or something like it's obviously being used to kidnap people and to enslave them. How is just no one else aware of it? Because he's implying that like just the alpha male mentality of it all is what is the whole thing. But he's not implying that like, oh, some people disagree with the idea that we kidnap and enslave people. But we know that that's the right thing. Is that what he was saying? But then how do people just not know? Like, it just, none of that lines up. Like, somebody else would know about it or something. I mean, if she was a nurse, right? Like, she no, she wasn't a nurse. She was, she was a, a doctor. doctor. She's a she was a doctor. medical doctor. She was a surgeon. So, I mean, nobody's going to be like, why has she been missing for yeah, where weeks is she? or days or <laughs> yeah. hours? Or nobody called that apartment. Nobody came by to check on this doctor who has these patients lined up. Like she said, I opened, she said, I opened up 20 people today or something like that when they were yelling at each other. If you're that important of a doctor, if I mean, she's like the doctor house of that hospital. She's opening up 20 people or something like that. Somebody's ass would have been over there doing a house call, right. checking up on her ass. You know what like, I'm saying? We need our best doctor even like, hey, yeah. come back to work, please. We need you. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? 
She seemed pretty important. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just one of those things. I mean, like I get the message of the movie in the end, and I don't necessarily disagree with the message overall for the movie and stuff like that. But God, it was the most haphazard and clunky way to actually try to get there. It really, it, it took so long. And then also like one of the things that's so confusing about this movie is that Olivia Wilde was talking about how she really wanted this movie to have sex scenes in it that were more from the female perspective. And she wanted to really showcase that because she was like, you know, we used to have sex scenes and they were always filmed in one way. And I, I want to do it in a, in, a, in a different way to like empower it in a different way. Sure. Okay. This movie was actually really light on sex scenes, considering that was like a stated motivation of hers. I mean, I don't even know if they you would say that they had sex in Chris Pine's room during that. It really just looked like that was hand stuff, like he was doing stuff to her with his hands. Didn't really look like sex. And then, he, you know, he performed some kind of lingus for a while. I mean, all fantastic things. Don't get me wrong. Fantastic things. But, uh. Is that what women want from sex scenes in a movie? Just some mouth and hand stuff and that's it? Call it a day? (laughs) I mean, that seems a little boring. Just throwing that out there. We can do more. I just, I I was very confused considering that was one of her stated motivations with this movie. And I feel like that, that was a lick down. And well, then, for me, what purpose did it serve other than just to say that they're a good couple? I mean, I'm just trying to understand, like, okay, I get that if she's like, I want to show it more from a woman's perspective. But like you said, you know, so the guy going down on her. Okay, cool. But what purpose did it serve other than, like, just to say they're... A happy couple, I guess. Yeah, if, I think. I'm sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. And on the last thing I was going to say about it, and that, and if this was supposed to be a simulation where these men are sort of painting this ideal 1950s sort of utopia where the women just clean and gossip, and they come on to the women, and then the women have sex with them. Why would that necessarily be from a female's perspective, given the context of the film? You know what I mean? That's a great point. So even that feels like a misstep, because if anything, you probably it probably would have been more effective if the sex was rough and kind of abusive and kind of something like that. And then the next day, Florence Pugh just takes it and then wakes up the next day. And acts like nothing happened. Acts like she's happy. Acts like she enjoys it. And really, it's just this very, like, masculine, just just really rough, just very physical, almost uncomfortable sex. 
And then the next day she's, she's just like, yay, that was tight. You probably would have got more mileage out of that, given what you were trying to do in this movie. No, that's, I mean, that's a great point, And I didn't think about that, but I mean, for me, I feel like the, the only point that I got from why they did that was to establish that this is a solid couple that's very much in love. Everybody else in the town is very much like, oh, we have kids. We're a proper, you know, husband and wife that has a bunch of kids. And we have this certain standard that we have to meet because of our children in this 1950s, like perfect life. And they're sort of the exception to that because they're a young couple and they don't have kids. Their sex is for just having fun. It's not for making children. And they were the only couple there that really seemed like that was their their point of it. And so they're trying to make it seem like their sex is more fun and it's more wild and it's more, you know, not the norm from everybody else's because they're this young, fun couple that's very much in love. And I think it was kind of maybe to establish that they're a solid couple, you know, and they're, you know, still very much into each other and infatuated by each other because I think they're trying to set up like maybe what you're expecting from them throughout this movie as a married couple to kind of throw you off at the end as to what's really going on. I really feel like that's why they did it that way. I don't know if that was the point, but that's kind of what I took away from that. You know, that's fair. Like, I I can see that. I don't necessarily think they did a great job of that. No. But I don't necessarily disagree with your statement on it. You know, I think, to me, like, with a lot of that stuff, too, I mean, they do tie that in a little bit. Whenever, you know, they're showing the real world and Harry Styles is like, hey, I know you just got done you know, doing 20 operations today or whatever the fuck she said. And he's like, yeah, but you still want to bang? And she's like, no, can't even shower. No. And so I get that, that they're wanting to show like, you know, to him then whenever they would go in the simulation or whenever he kidnapped her and put her in the simulation, it would, you know, he wanted the sex life to be the exact opposite of what it had become in the real world. And I get that. You know, like that part of it does kind of line up. It's just the stated goals of a lot of this stuff make no sense to me. And yeah, all of that really just hits even harder when you find out that like four or five years ago, like Olivia Wilde, like I want to say it was right after Booksmart came out. She was doing an interview with someone and she was like, yeah, if a movie's ever bad, you can blame the director. And you're like, God, I bet you really hate that you fucking said that now, don't you? (laughs) And then I feel like she I could easily see her pulling a situation like Elizabeth Banks did with the Charlie's Angels movie where she kind of said, like, whatever it was that she said about the excuse for why people didn't like the movie. I do remember what that was. I can't remember what she said about it, but I feel like Olivia Wilde is going to play a card of they just didn't like it because of this or because it was a woman director. Like, I feel like she's going to pull that card now to kind of back up her statement from before. You know what I mean? Well, Elizabeth Banks ultimately was talking about how she thinks that people didn't go see the movie or didn't like the movie because they're sexist. 
And I don't know, to me, that was like slightly disingenuous with it because I feel like all the people that were sexist and talking shit about it on the internet were the people that weren't going to see the movie anyway. You know? Yeah, that's fair. And I think that with this movie, I think, yeah, it was the number one movie of the the weekend and stuff like that. But I, I think part of it has to do with the mix of People were curious to see what this movie would be like because there are people like us that like loved Booksmart. And, you know, you watch the trailers for this movie and you think it might have some potential. You know, and I think the other 50% of them were there because they wanted to see what all the drama led to. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I think it got a big of a, a bit of a push because of that bad press. You know, I think it actually drove interest. For the movie. A lot. I mean, and there's been lots of reports that, like, you know, disagree with each other. Because I want to say, like, right after the movie came out, there was a report that Olivia Wilde and Florence Pugh got, like, on a screaming match on set. Like, so much so that, like, Warner Brothers executives had to be called and show up to get, you know, to get everything back on track and shit like that. But then, like, right after that, like, 40 crew members came out and they're like... Like signed a petition or signed a statement saying, yeah, that didn't happen. So, you know, like, and that's the thing with a lot of this movie, we don't know what's true and what's not. You know, a lot of people say that uh, Olivia Wilde just cast Harry Styles because she wanted to fuck him. And because they started their relationship whilst doing this movie, um, her statement on it was that that was always supposed to be the casting. Um, He was the first choice and then he couldn't do it because of the tour he was going on. So that's why they cast Shia LaBeouf, you know, but then the whole Shia LaBeouf casting and firing that's gotten muddy because she's like, I fired him because, you know, he was a little bit too intense and that's not the type of like set I want to have. Cause this was before, any allegations that come out against Shia LaBeouf. And so she was like, the energy he brought to the set isn't conducive to how I make movies. So that's why we had to let him go. Cause it just, it wasn't a good fit. And then, you know, he comes out with text messages and a video from her from Olivia Wilde to him all saying that like, she wants him to come back to the movie because, you know, he does things the, the right way. And maybe he can teach Miss Flo, talking about Florence Pugh, you know, like teach her, maybe like get her to, you know, be in the right place to make this movie. Like more or less showing that they had all kinds of problems already. And I'm just like looking at this and I'm like, what fucking problems did Florence have? Right. She's the saving grace of your fucking movie. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Whatever her process is, <laughs> let her fucking do it. Cause she did yeah. it right. Yeah. That she's the only, yeah, saving grace. You're right, of this movie. And like, and it's also kind of like the first thing is I don't know how you go into casting Shia LaBeouf in your movie not knowing that he's a very intense person. Like that's yeah. his process, and he's been very open about that for forever. Like that he's a very gets very very intense about his acting process like that's something that you you would just know casting him in this movie 
And I was curious too, because I was like, I'm trying to picture him in this movie. Like I I'm trying to picture what he would have brought to this. And I think that Shia LaBeouf is a phenomenal actor. I think he's very talented um, acting wise, but I just think that what he, it would have been a very intense performance to bring to a character that doesn't have a whole lot of dynamic in the first place. Like, and that's why I think, and not to, that's not a knock on Harry Styles because again, he did, he did a good job for what he could do with his role, but that character was not to be the dynamic character of this movie. You know, there were moments, but he wasn't, he wasn't that character that you were looking for that depth from. You were looking for that from Florence. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm just trying to think like, man, if they would have brought Shia LaBeouf into this movie, it would have been just an extra intense, like, again, probably elevated performance way above the material that deserved it. But then it would have just been so off kilter, too, because it's like you have three performances at that point that would have been far above and beyond what the script called for. And it just would have made it even more like weird to watch this movie to be like why is everybody bringing their a-game to this when the script does not need you to do that (laughs) unfortunately you know what i mean yeah yeah but at the same time to me i think you almost have to assume that that character that harry styles plays and that shia labeouf was cast as for some point you have to almost assume that that's just a different character yeah, I just they I probably like had to rewrite a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, I just don't see where you would expect Shia LaBeouf to play that character, or that Harry Styles could reach the type of character that Shia LaBeouf could play. Yeah, like if he was more of a main character at the original script or something, it would have made more sense. But yeah. and maybe and maybe because of all of this, maybe they were like, we got to dial back his part in this movie. Who knows? You know. Well, and then one of the other rumors. And I want to specifically say this is a rumor. Is that supposedly Florence Pugh at times had to take over as being the director of this movie because Olivia Wilde was off having sexual relations with Harry Styles all the time. I, 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 I can't say whether or not that's true or not. I Honestly, I don't care whether or not it's true. But after watching the movie, I almost kind of do think it's true just because... I actually could see where this movie didn't have a singular director. Like this movie is so disjointed. I could see it not having one director and it just being people filming shit just to get stuff through. And then, you know, when it comes out, when it gets to the editors, the editors like, what the fuck do I put together? I don't really have enough scenes to get this story out. I could see that being a thing. Cause if you're not the director of this movie, but you're being told like just to get things going, to go direct some shit, you're not really going to know if you got all the scenes you need. You're, you're not the one that fucking looked at storyboards and doing all this other shit. Like you're not planning shot lists and all this other stuff. You're just like, Hey, let's just go film some of the shit and get it done with, you know, and that could be a real possibility with it too. I mean, that's one of the biggest rumors that I felt like could have been true at some point, just because, like I said, the movie is disjointed. And when it's not cohesive, it kind of makes you wonder if more than one person had a big hand in directing some of this stuff. 
because you don't get that singular vision and it never feels like a singular movie with it. So that part of it actually makes sense. It tracks a little bit to me as unfortunate as that is. I mean, but I don't, like I said, ultimately to me at the end of the day, like I stopped caring about all the drama behind the scenes because like, you know, like how sometimes some actors use some drama or they, they use stuff to like get a better performance. Like it's like feed off of it, fuel yourself with it, all this other stuff. I hope they didn't do that with this movie. Cause like, yeah. damn, like <laughs> what would you fueled yourself up for what? Right. You know, but like I said, like, Maybe Florence was using it. And it's also funny, too, because Shia LaBeouf had released some of his text messages with Florence. Like, apparently, like, him and Florence, after he left the movie, were on good terms. Like, they were texting back and forth and all this other stuff. And you're like... So yeah, it, couldn't have it been. seemed like it was more a, a scheduling conflict to, like, actually get to work together on some stuff. That's what it seemed like from this the messages and stuff. Yeah. Like, with a lot of that stuff, like... You know, it it felt like, you know, maybe there was some evidence to that stuff. And Olivia Wilde was like, hey, I've got a shot of getting Harry Styles back at this point because of COVID. That's why Harry was able to come back to this movie was COVID. He had to cancel his tour. So maybe he swung back because of that. You know, that's ultimately why. I mean, there's any number of things. And I don't really want to speculate on all that. It's just you see things in the movie that kind of just don't line up with anything that's being said with it. You know, like Olivia Wilde having all these problems with Florence Pugh. And I'm like, yeah, but she's one of the only good things in your fucking movie. Okay. You might have different right. sensibilities, but I haven't heard anybody come out and say that like Florence Pugh is like terrible to work with. You know, you might have like different styles and different, you know, sensibilities when it comes to things sure that can add to tension on a set or anything like that but like it wasn't like she was a like problematic to get through a movie with though you know what i mean like so if it's not an actual toxicity or a truly negative trait you're having to work through okay then you just deal with your disagree you know you deal with it and make your movie like, you know, apparently fucking, uh, what is it? Uh, Ryan Gosling and Rachel, Rachel McAdams, McAdams apparently hated each other while they made the notebook, you know, but they were professionals. Oh, really? They made their movie and then started dating afterwards. It's very weird, but you know, yeah, like you might hate each other, whatever you get through it, film your shit and call it a day. Especially when, you know, you hate the one shining example of anything in your movie, you know, right? like that's what doesn't make sense to me. It's like, why do you hate Florence Pugh's process? Like, cause you know, apparently she's not big on rehearsing. Like she's very big at like feeling it in the moment or whatever. Like, okay, cool. She does a great job at it. Let her fucking it do works. that then. Whatever she does works. Yeah. You know? Like, so get, get the fuck over it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
I mean, it's just like whatever, like maybe just learn from her, learn from Florence, because she knows what the fuck she, she might be way younger than you, but fuck, she knows what she's doing. Same with Chris. Also, she seems very professional, though, too. Like, even with all this drama, she hasn't addressed any of it. She hasn't talked about it. Like, I mean, granted, she didn't do any press for the movie, but she completely has avoided any conversation about it. So, you know, I respect that, honestly. Yeah. You know, so and, and that's fair, too. You know, she's not adding into any speculation, anything like that. She's just like, you know, I did the movie. Okay, go watch it. Don't watch it. I don't care. I'm going to talk about Oppenheimer, which Florence. It's <laughs> Oppenheimer. We get it. Like, I feel like the Oppenheimer movies are just going to be the movie equivalent of the Harry Styles dancing. Like, God, we get it. <laughs> we get it, Oppenheimer. We get it. All right, I need to be fair to that movie. It's nowhere near coming out. So, um, but yeah, it's just when it boils down to it, when I saw this movie, I was like, I wasted so much TikTok time on the drama of this movie. It wasn't even <laughs> fucking worth it. So that's another strike against you, movie. You wasted my right. precious TikTok time with your <laughs> bullshit. To give me a steaming pile of garbage. Ugh. I feel like there's more. I just don't remember. I so oh, I don't know. Like I know you brought up the Phantasmagoria type of dance scenes and all that shit. I don't know what the fuck the point of that was. I know Heather said that earlier. Like it's a beautiful scene, but why? Yeah. What what is it in relation to this program? And 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 that's really just the biggest knock against the movie is that everything just sort of felt like a means to an end to get to this answer. But when you play it back and you're thinking about all the connections and everything like that, just none of this sort of gets to that point and makes you go, oh, wow. So, oh, I see this was you know, this was a glitch or this was a program they wrote or this was a like in a good movie, like, I don't know what the sixth sense or in something like, you know, in those in certain movies where they do this well, where they do the big reveal at the end, because it's not like that a movie hasn't done that before. You get to the end and then they you can rewind and think about all these past scenes and go, hell yeah, man. Well, you know, the, the, OK. I, I we're in a simulation. Okay. So this scene made sense. That scene made sense. And this movie just, I just had so many questions and, and a lot of them you've said, and there are just other ones too. So this first time when she got to the, when she went to that place where you could escape, did she escape the first time? Did she not? They said did that she, she did. So, so what is escaping? Like, did she wake up in the room and he just restrained her or knocked her out with something or just put her back into the sequence? Like that was a little confusing too. So what happened when she escaped the first time? I think she wake up and he just put her back to sleep. Like, I don't know. I think that that's what they're implying in the movie because they said that 
she got out the first time. So they're implying that that's what happened, or at least they said it kind of ish. Maybe they did. They get very vague on how the fuck she got put back into it. They say that Harry Styles character puts her back into the simulation. They say that. But like you said, Justin, that opens up a lot of questions as to how. Yeah. He had left the simulation so he could go to work. So he could pay for the simulation. Like she got out at like one o'clock in the afternoon. Did he just happen to be going home to eat lunch that day? Like. Right. Yeah. Like, how does that even work? Like, and, and that's just the thing. Like, there are so many questions like that, that when you think about the fact that this is all a simulation, it just, there are just so many things that don't add up. And if she escaped that time, you, you know, if she escaped before and was just put back in, I mean, do we know if, is, is there any real guarantee that she made it this time at the end? I don't know. You know, I just, I I mean, you just didn't give me enough to really understand this at all. And it really sucks to me. And that's why I keep coming back to the word disappointing, because there really is something to this idea of you have this man, this, this, this deadbeat guy. And, you know, we're, we're in a, the modern world where the woman is the breadwinner and she's got the job and she's got something important she's got to do. And he's like, man, I'm going to take that from you. So in the simulated world, we're in the 1950s and I'm the breadwinner and you're a housewife and this, that, and the other. And there really is something powerful about that because there are men that do try to keep women in that place, or they think that's what a woman's role is, or they have these sort of gender roles for women that sort of play into this whole 1950s ideology. So that's a very powerful message. But what did we say with it here? Um, Olivia Wilde's character. I thought that that was a very interesting character too. This woman who is aware of what's happening and essentially knows that these other women are, some of them are captured and held against their will and all of this stuff and allows the simulation because in it, her kids that died in the real world are alive here. So she's sort of willing to go with it and everything like that. So there's, I felt like there's even a message there too about the woman that helps to perpetuate a lot of those toxic gender roles and stuff like that. You know, that that's kind of in here too. But even though you had these interesting concepts on paper and I could see some of them in her movie. So I get kind of what she was going for. But man, we just did not execute with this at all. And at the end, it just becomes an escape. But what does that mean? You know, what what are we really trying to say? Like, what, what? And that's the part that I just don't, don't understand. You know, and then the stuff about men in control and stuff. Okay, cool. But like. Man, I just felt like we didn't really say much of anything. We just escaped the simulation and that was it. Or did we escape? I don't know. (laughs) She could have got put right back in right after she got out. I don't know. 
And it's not even that fun type of ambiguous. Yeah. Like, that's the problem is you just also, like, I get what you're saying, Jess. You're like, well, you don't know. But, like, do you even care? And then the showdown with her and Chris Pine, that was the best scene of the movie. The, The verbal back and forth with Florence Pugh and Chris Pine, I thought that that was great. And him saying, yeah. like, oh, I want you to keep asking questions. I want you to keep, I'm, ch- I, you know, I've, I've been looking for someone to challenge me and all of this kind of stuff. And all of that was cool in the moment. And I love those scenes in the moment. But back to this being a simulation, why would you want her? Yeah, why do you want the challenge? Asking questions <laughs> and, 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 and fucking up your shit. Especially if he's like this podcast guy that's like saying all the things he's saying to get these guys to like, you know, be a part of his, you know, project. Like, why would he want any sort of woman challenging him? It, it wouldn't make hey, sense for, for him. Exactly. Character. You created this 1950 simulation where you just want to come. You want to be the breadwinner and come up to a housewife that just loves you and adores you and is ready for sex. That that seems to be what you want in this simulation. Why do you want a woman that challenges you? And how come right. real world Chris Pine couldn't find that in the real world? What, yeah. What, like, so why do you need it in this simulation? And what about this woman challenging you? I don't see that but being anything, I don't see that being anything but problematic in your simulation. That's well, all it would also, be is problematic. It's, also com- it's confusing because like, if it is really like a, a male driven simulation, like why, for example, um, Jimmy Chan, Chris Pine's wife, why was she even able to kill him in this simulation? If it was like a male driven <laughs> one where like, obviously he would never yeah. have that as an option for her to do. You know what I mean? Like, I have questions about, like, how does this this thing work? Because also, like, how are they actually eating anything? Like, if these women are constantly in this state of, like, being in a simulation, are the guys just, like, feeding them food? Like, how are they actually in the real world still alive? <laughs> like, the simulation is like, oh, they're always cooking the dinner and all this stuff, like, is that supposed to be them like really having food and the guys are just feeding them whatever? Like I, how does it work? Because they're constantly in a state of vegetation is what it looked like, at least with Florence Pugh's character. Yeah. Like how is she alive? How is she surviving? And if he's in the simulation, how is he taking care of her? Like, yeah. And it seems like a lot more difficult. I mean, this just seems like a lot to do to, right. Have a lot more work. A woman just <laughs> to, do you what know, you want. If you want a woman <laughs> that 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 just wants to be that housewife. Uh, th- there are totally women that are down for that and are straight up like, I just want to be a housewife. I just want to yeah. be a stay at home mom. I just want to come home. You know, I just want to be at home and worry about the house. And then my husband come home, and then that's my time with him. And then he goes to work. There are women already cool with that kind of lifestyle, this seems like a lot of trouble, man. Make it a (laughs) computer program simulation. And then I got to capture my, my manipulate my girlfriend or capture a woman. I got to 
induce her and keep her fed and go into this simulation. This seems like a lot of trouble when you could just get on match.com or some shit. Like, <laughs> I just feel like, yeah. I don't know, like this feels and see, that's what I For mean. Much cheaper. What <laughs> is the point of this simulation? Like, yeah. okay, I get it. Being in a, it suddenly being a simulation is a cool idea because the matrix was cool, but the, but there was a point to the matrix. There was a point they were, they were induced in that sleep. So the machines could feed off of them. They were being used as batteries. There was a point to the matrix. They needed to be sustained because they were the energy source for the machines. What the hell is this? Right. What is this? Why are you spending yeah. all this money? Why are you spending all this time to, to just essentially have a housewife? Right. I don't, I just don't understand guys. Well, I'm, I don't well, understand to, to comment on one of the things Heather brought up. Um, these people are being kept alive essentially on IVs because they do show Harry Styles like putting a new IV on there. So theoretically, whenever they go off to work, that's one of the things they're doing before or after they leave is like putting eye drops in their eyes because that's really bad tech that their eyes have to be open the whole time too. That's dumb. Right. But And then changing out IVs and like taking care of them medically and all this other stuff too. Maybe you can also, they could probably do it when they go to sleep, you know, before they go to sleep. Okay, fair enough. Because whenever the simulation goes or when they're, they go to sleep in the simulation, they could theoretically drop out of it and do work, you know, or do something. But I mean, theoretically, I say all that, but the only way to get out of it is to go to the fucking headquarters, which seems like, you know, way easier said than done. So that's a bad fail safe with it. So there's that aspect of it as how they keep them alive and all that other stuff, Heather. Um, and if you notice, though, when they're when they show in the movie they very rarely ever eat in the movie shows yeah, they're making fair. a lot of food mm. but i can only think I of guess a handful that dinner of times scene is yeah the only time really like there's the one scene when harry styles is trying to cook dinner and i don't know he they both take a bite of a carrot and i think somebody else yeah you're eats right a because the whole th- in the movie the whole thing about like the eggs don't have anything in them. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I didn't think about that. Yeah. yeah. Just- and why did that happen? Like, is it because the program had hadn't gotten advanced enough to where you could put egg yolks in eggs? Like, <laughs> well, that, yeah, was also after, like- that was after a scene where they, you made eggs. That's what I'm saying. Like, they yeah, had like, like every morning she was having breakfast where there's eggs. So like, why is when she's making it, they're not like, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. And see, oh, that needed to be explained that there, there was a glitch or she something from the, the actual machine in the actual world got something got detached or he didn't connect something right or he didn't set it up the right way. And so there was a glitch and that's why she could see. And that's why stuff was kind of screwing up or that's why she suddenly kind of had these memories because the programming isn't complete. Maybe that's where they were going 
in the simulation? What if they're helping Frank build this program? Oh, Maybe the way, plane. Way easier thing. You guys what? missed the symbolism of it in the movie. Uh oh. It's one of the things. It's like it, it's that was like there was supposed that scene is supposed to more or less show that it's like what's on the inside isn't right type of scenario. Mm. Like it's just a shell. It's not real. It's a shell because it's literally just an eggshell. So that's mm. like an example of her mind breaking what the actual simulation is and all this other stuff. Which is like we talked about earlier. Fine. Cause but they just didn't meld them together. Like, but and that's literally the symbolism of that scene. Is that it's a shell. Cause that's right after she realizes or not realizes is exposed to the the idea of it not being the right reality because her friend died. You know what I mean? Or that's right after her friend started saying stuff that made her like a little questiony about things, you know, is okay. it's just a shell. I see. Which is perfectly fine. But what is the movie explanation for her being able to see that? Like, or sense that there would have to be, if you're in a simulation, there would have to be some sort of glitch. There would have to be something. There would have to be some reason why she was able to see that shell. And I just don't well, think they had it well, either I mean, way. I think what the movie was saying is like when it got to that scene that within the movie itself, it's like there was a story and like there was this rabbit. Okay. And this rabbit was kind of running around doing rabbit things. And then there's like chickens and that's the explanation. <laughs> I see what you did there. Jazz, that was really kind of a jab at Justin. But that's also just as coherent as what the fucking movie did. That's the problem. <laughs> that is totally something I would say <laughs> when I have no good explanation for something. I would say something as random as hell like that. So I, I, I appreciate that. I really do. But anyway, I, I mean, not to beat a dead horse, but there's tons of just questions like that. And I, what I was trying to say was, is that all of this could have been a part of the story. If that was explained that this was her, that she's seeing this because some there was some mishap in the program. Maybe where everybody was going in the morning, the victory project was just to better this program simulation. Maybe they were all going to help Frank build a better one, but they hadn't built a better one yet. You know, why could why should you even be able to get to headquarters at this point? Something should just happen to you to send you right back to some place in the simulation. But but it makes sense if this was like an early program and there were updates and patches and it's not complete. Like so a beta that's test. That's why these people, huh? Like a beta test. Yes, like a beta. So that's why Florence Pugh could get to headquarters. That's why Mar the, the other girl, Margaret, was seeing things and realizing this wasn't real. 
That's why she could crack the egg and stuff because the program is not, it's in its infant stages and it's not perfect yet. And that's what all the men were going to do, you know, to improve this program because it's not, it's not complete yet. They can't completely get the, these women to do what they want to do. They can't completely subjugate these women. So they're trying to get this perfect program so that they can perfectly control these women. And it's not working because you can't, you can't completely control them. You can't, you'll never completely just have them subdue to your will that, that it'll never be that way. And that could have been essentially what this message that could have been a part of this. And they could have easily had that scene too. When they're doing yeah. the scenes of showing Harry Styles in the real, real world and stuff, why couldn't you have shown a scene where he goes and meets Chris Pine and that doctor character who helped quote unquote found the victory project. And they're explaining yeah. to him the limitations of the pro- program. Yes. Done. Yes. Done. Yep. Done. You, you could have totally had that in there. And I love that sort of empowering message of like for centuries, that's what they've been trying to do. That's what men have been trying to do. Control women. And you cannot, there is no perfect way to control them. You will never have that kind of control over them. No matter how much you try to do it, no matter how much you try to manipulate, you will never have that full control over them. And maybe that was the perfection that this victory program was trying to reach. And ultimately it fails because, well, in the movie, it's because of Florence Pugh and Margaret and people like that and Jimmy Chan. But I like the bigger message of is that you can't control them. Stop trying to control them because you will never have perfect control over them. You will never be able to do them like that. I I think that's a powerful thing there that maybe you could have ended on a great note with that. But anyway, we didn't do none of that shit. So. No, they didn't. You know, and uh, like and the thing is, is this movie does have some good ideas. Yeah. Like there's some good ideas. There's some good scenes in it. There's some good stuff in it. But ultimately, when it boils down to it, that's all it ever is. It's just, a, you know, some of that shit. And that's it. Yep. And I do like the I do like the thing. Uh, some Somebody talked to the, the woman that played Margaret. And she was like, oh, yeah, I filmed way more scenes than what they put in the movie. And they're like, oh, does that bother you? And she's like, shit, I got a paycheck still. My <laughs> paycheck didn't change. That's the right so, attitude to have. They, they right. can cut all my shit already all they want. They paid me for all the shit I did. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and I feel like, and that's the thing is, you feel that too. You feel that there is so much shit on the cutting room floor here. There is so much shit there. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense to me because Margaret seemed infinitely more important than she was. And it just yeah. sucks that, that that character just does all of that and sort of starts this lead and then disappears. I, I think there's a more interesting story where she comes back fixed and all of a sudden Florence is trying to talk to her and stuff and 
she's not responding or all of a sudden she's yeah. different. She's not panicking anymore. And she seems brainwashed. And then it leads to more questions. But maybe like her and Florence do something like maybe Florence doesn't give up on that and maybe gets Margaret back and maybe some more stuff happens with Margaret. I, I just think in a better movie, you would have tackled this a different way. Uh, and it was also just sort of like anticlimactic, as you put it, Heather, that Chris Pine and Florence didn't have that final battle scene or that final confrontation or anything. We got it at the dinner table, or maybe that was it. I don't know. This movie's just crazy. But but like that was underwhelming too. All of that, which I want, I want to be challenged and yeah, keep asking questions and yeah. Florence, I want you to challenge me. And then Jimba Chan just stabs him. Right. Th- th- that was yeah. just totally like underwhelming too. And-, and so like, I wasn't even, even though it was a surprise, I was like, what? He's going out like that. I was expecting something right. to happen. Like he'd pull a Mr. Smith and phase through the knife or something and go, you know, this yeah. is my shit, you know, but <laughs> well, we didn't get anything like that. But I even had like I even had some issues, though, with that scene at the table, because like at that one point in the argument. The Chris Pine character goes just like I trusted you in my bedroom. And then like Harry Styles acts like, oh, no, she fucked him. Then the movie later establishes he knows they didn't. But so why do you have that scene where he acts like it? Two, why didn't she comment on the fact that he was obviously trying to make it seem like they fucked? Yeah, She did not argue against that at all. Because she's like, you know, she's just like, but what about this instead? And you're just like, come on. (laughs) Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you sit there and go, you were the one watching me and my husband fuck in your room. Right. What do you mean, like, all this other shit? Throw it back at him like that. Yeah. You you wouldn't just, like, but you just, like, acted so defeated real quick. And I'm like, was that a scene also to show that, like, Chris Pine does have, like, extra powers in this universe type of thing? Like I said, the same thing they were implying with the Harry Styles stuff. Were they implying that same thing? It's just, but like I said, later in the movie, he knows she didn't fuck him. But that's how he acts like, oh, no, my wife fucked my boss. Right. You're like, what was that scene? Yeah. I mean, I I tend to agree with something Jason said earlier about, like, it, this movie, it, it kind of gives me that same feeling that the Honk for Jesus movie did, where it lays out this big problem that the world has right now. But all it says is, this is the problem. (laughs) And then it it just doesn't really tell you a resolution for it. It doesn't give you this hopefulness that it's going to get better necessarily. It just says, here's a situation based on a big problem we have. And, um, you know, it ends how it ends. Like, (laughs) like, it's just, it's saying something without saying nothing. You know, it has that same problem. And this movie does that too. It's like, it has like, it feels like it has this big dream of something it's trying to say through this movie that gets lost in just the chaos of 
like how this movie paces out and what actually takes place in this movie. And it's like, there could be a bigger conversation and a bigger way to do this. And that was a very missed opportunity, you know, like it just, they, they missed that in the mix of everything. And I think that honestly, like the pacing of this really was like a huge problem with the movie, because as, as you said, like, the first act is an hour and a half of the movie or whatever, but like it, but it, the problem with that is like, they also, while you're intrigued pretty much right away and you're, you're interested in what's going on and you're engaged in what they're about to do. They, they do, they give away too early that something's amiss. Like they, you know, instead of, like it gives you maybe five minutes of thinking that she does have this perfect life. And then literally like five minutes in, she's already like, it's almost like she's already questioning things. And I feel like they should have slow paced that a little bit better than they did to kind of give a little bit more build to this movie into the next section of the movie and everything. But it's almost like right away, you know, that she's already thinking something's wrong or having these weird visions and flashbacks, you know, and it's like maybe slow pace that a little bit, you know, where, establish your relationship with these people and your husband more in this world before you do that, because then the payoff for that is going to be a little bit better and you're going to care a little bit more because you're like, wait, something's wrong here. This is crazy. Like she seemed like she was so happy. And then, you know, like it just, the payoff just would have been so much better if they would have waited and slow played that piece of what they do with the story, you know? Yeah, and then they just played that something is a misbeat over and over again. And tonally, it just was the same, even though different things were happening. Tonally, nothing was happening. It was just the same thing. Something is a miss. Uh-oh, look at this. That's weird. Something is a miss. Uh-oh, look at the egg. Something is a miss. Uh-oh, the ballerinas. Something is a miss. Uh-oh, Margaret. Something is a miss. And tonally, we didn't really go anywhere for such a long time, or at least that's how it felt to me. And so I think I get what you're saying. Like it, it, they, they, they got to that. Something is a mistone too quickly. And then the movie just stays there. And, And it just, it just stayed there for so long before we kind of started kind of getting some answers and then we got a few answers and you're like "Uh oh okay where are we going with this then they give yeah. you the answer and you're like okay but what what about the the a b c d e f g h i j k element op that you set up way over here in, in the hour that was act one like right you didn't answer any of that stuff and so it just really yep. sucks. But but yes, I totally get what you mean. If tonally, it just stayed in that same kind of first act. Something is a mistone for just far too long, in my opinion. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And the thing is, too, and I think one of the things that would have helped this movie a little bit more, too, is if it had. It hadn't jumped almost so quickly that something was amiss. I don't feel like they stayed with everything being normal long enough. I think they went right. to the, it's a little miss. Like, so you didn't have that, that really solid foundation 
of what normal life is. I know that, yes, you're supposed to just assume that it is your atypical 1950s life. You know, I know that's what the assumption's supposed to be. But, like, show these people in that context normal for a better foundation. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and that's what I mean by, like, establish these friendships a little bit better. Establish their marriage a little bit better before you jumped into that, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. You know, like, because when it goes to something is amiss, well, yeah, the whole thing was, it was always kind of a miss because they just seemed like 1950s people in a cult. Like before you get to the, it's a, a miss because there's something else going on. You still get the, it's a miss because it's a cult. Yeah. You know, because then they have that one scene where it's like the new guy and they're all at the beach party and there's the new guy and the new guy's sitting there trying to hide his erection for how much he wants to fuck Chris Pine. <laughs> you know, he's just like, do you, do, do you think Chris Pine would let me look at his dick? It's just, it's, it's a very awkwardly written scene. <laughs> And that's the unfortunate thing about this is so much of this movie, when you've got performances that are at worst fine and at best really great, and you've got a story that's nonsensical and never actually lines up or holds its own weight or anything like that, you've only got two groups of people to really fucking blame. And that's the director and the writers. Yeah. No one else is at fault for this movie. When your worst performance is just the definition of fine as fuck. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. I mean, and, and that's the thing with it is like, I don't know. I feel like the, it, it almost like gives you this false idea that like, you should love this movie because you're seeing these great acting performances. Like it's almost like in your head, you're like, they're doing a great job in their performances. I should like this. I should be really into this. Like they're doing a great job. And it just totally distracts you from the fact that the story is not there, you know? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, you guys got any more thoughts about this movie? Anything else? Nah. What fucking grade did we give this? A 23? 23. Sounds about right. So on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Simmaslayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.simmaslayers.com or Cinema Slayers Podcast on Facebook, Cinema underscore Slayers on Twitter and Instagram, Cinema Slayers Pod on TikTok, uh, Cinema Slayers Podcast on YouTube. Um, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Cho for a theme song and logos, respectively. Uh, tell your family, or no, give us a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, also on YouTube, click like, subscribe, click the bell if you just don't want to remember. This comes out every Thursday on YouTube. Um, 
Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends, and most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers, because mothers love. For this one, I'm going to say a rebellious Florence Pugh. I would have also accepted just Chris Pine. That was going to be my next thing. Both are valid. (laughs) Florence Pugh is Florence Pugh in this. Both of them are valid. Yeah. So, good job, Heather. Thanks. You're really rebounding after the the one time you didn't just say Idris Elba. What did I say for that one? I don't remember lines or something like that. I don't know. There was one movie where I'm like, you really missed the mark on that one. (laughs) I was trying to just mix it up. And then I was like, that was not the one to do it on because it was Idris Elba. So but you nailed it on this. You did. I'm just saying there was a second option too. both are equally valid. Um, And most of all, just remember, according to Justin, with the utmost consistency, unlike this fucking movie. According to him, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. You've been going almost four years straight with that consistency, Justin. (laughs) This movie couldn't even do two hours of consistency. You've just got four (laughs) years of consistency when it comes to Moon Knight being a Best Picture winner. Cinema Slayers. That's true. (laughs) That is true. The sad thing is you've got more consistency with that than I do saying it. Cause I forgot. I, Cause I, t- I forgot to say, as I always in the, uh, the podcast, the TikToks, and the YouTube videos, according to Jesse, I fucked up my own consistency with it. And my own fucked up consistency is still better than this fucking movie's consistency. Cause it's almost consistent that, that I fuck up consistency. Just saying. And also, I don't know if I said that enough in this. Fuck this movie. Yeah, you only said it a few times. So, yeah, you need a few more in there. I was so tempted for my whole spoiler-free review to be fuck this movie. And I was so tempted for my recommendation and score to both be fuck this movie. (laughs) But we were doing the first ever Cinema Slayer score. So I had to go. And I was like, man, am I going to tone down my scores? I was like, I will. I'll only give this a negative 20. Because if this was last week, I would have said at least a negative (laughs) 6,000. But I'm like, no, no, no. We're being, we're being more official now. Let me tone it down. We got to the... (laughs) Well, we got to the end and you said, what was the score? I, I just felt like on the inside, you wanted to deduct more points. <laughs> I think you kept yourself from doing it. I did. I yeah. just felt like I told he, myself I was like, down. he's going to deduct more points and redo the average. And this is going to have a lower score. I really thought you were about to do it, but maybe it just wasn't that bad. It wasn't bad enough to drive you to that. But I'm promised there's going to be a day where we're going to get to the end and you're going to deduct more points and redo the average and say, it's this now. I know it's going to happen. Justin. I know it's going to happen. The thing is, is the only reason why I didn't do that is because I tried to give it a realistic score in my mind. Yeah. 
It, to me, a negative 20 was about as fair as I could be to this movie. <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to even give it a positive number. I was like, no. Yeah, you Fuck could. this movie. Then you are 23, and, and that was felt too positive. I know. You hesitated. You, it felt too positive to you. You almost, you almost choked saying it. You were and like, then you what? were like, man, I'm not going to do this bullshit tonight. I can tell. <laughs> In your head, yeah, totally. I can tell, man. I saw it. I saw you. You you almost did it. And then you were like, nah, man, I'm going to just let it go. (laughs) Like, I was like, I'm going to rate it in and be fair and balanced. But when I saw just a positive 23 as its overall score, I'm like, that is 40 fucking points higher than I think it is. (laughs) You're totally right, though. He completely toned it down. Like... Yeah, and it, it killed him inside. You could see it. <laughs> yep. Like, it, it'd, it'd be funny, though. Like, those movies, it's like, if you guys both give it an 80 and I give it a 60, it would balance out to, like, a high 70s. Okay, that's fair. Like, is it still higher than I want it to be? Sure. Or higher than I think it should be? Sure. But, like, this was 40 points higher than my toned down score. <laughs> and I was like, that feels so wrong. I could tell that 23 just didn't sit with you. It didn't sit. <laughs> I, wanted it, I wanted it to be so much lower. It's just uncomfortable because we associate 23 with greatness. Like, that's Michael Jordan's number. Like, you you know, you, you, <laughs> you know, I, I know you're like, man, I, I know you wanted to give it lower. I just know you did. Something about it didn't sit right with you, man. And I could just tell. I'm severely bothered that our average score wasn't at maximum in the single digits. (laughs) Just maximum single digits. (laughs) And I know it's all because I tried to be nicer and only give it a negative 20. I know it's my fault. If I had just gone with my gut <laughs> and given it the negative 6,000 that it fucking deserved. <laughs> it's just because this is the first one. They caught you on a good night. It was just the first night. But I know later on, this is going to totally happen. Like I can't wait to watch the movie that's going to break me into just fucking up the average so fucking bad. That we were both like, yeah, it's going to be a 70. And then yours is so low that it's still like a negative score, even after the score you see. I don't know if even after averaging it, I don't know if there's a movie out there that you guys could realistically give a 70 that would break me more than this movie (laughs) to not like, you know what I mean? Like, there would have to be something redeeming in that movie if you guys both gave it a 70. But I just, there's going to be a movie at some point that we're going to watch. That I'm going to, it's going to go Sterling. It's time for your score. And I'm going to be like negative 90,000 out of 1 billion. So it's an even worse percentage. And it's just going to fuck the score royally. Like, you know, you guys might give it like 40s or something, but the average is going to be like still end up being like a negative like 2 million. (laughs) <laughs> the only movie I could think of that might have a chance 
to fit that description. Unfortunately, we've already done it, but it would have to be your pick, the visit, your worst oh, pick. God. Like, because we gave it pretty respectable scores and you hated the film. So that one w- would definitely have a a terrible average, I think. That, this that knock one, on the cabin door one or whatever it's called is probably going to be like that, I imagine. I don't know if I'm even going to watch it, though. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that benefit on it. I might not ever even see it. True. I'm really trying to think. The only one I know of off the top of my head that just seems like it's primed for this is Madam Webb. When that ultimately mm. comes out, it mm. or maybe Craven the Hunter. Those seem primed for break Sterling scores. Hmm. I mean, outside of that, I just don't know. Avatar 2 might. Just because I'm already tired of that movie. Yeah. And I've only yeah. watched the fucking trailer. And I'm already so over that movie. Same. I think it's because they're like, we're going to get another one in 2024 and then 2026. And then, the, and then like Avatar 5 in like 2030 or whatever. And I'm like, are you serious? The, f- the second one, I hope this one bombs. I hope it record-breakingly bombs <laughs> so that they just are fucked on the next three movies. You know, it's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm so over it already. And I'm like, I've only watched a teaser. And the first movie, yep. I've watched the first movie in a teaser and I'm already over the second one. So... That might do it. We'll see. Got my eye on you, Avatar 2. We'll see. Oh, fuck. We're still recording. All right. I'm out.